Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast, where we go deep on the sport of gravel cycling through in-depth interviews with product designers, event organizers, and athletes who are pioneering the sport. I'm your host, Craig Dalton, a lifelong cyclist who discovered gravel cycling back in 2016 and made all the mistakes you don't need to make. I approach each episode as a beginner to unlock all the knowledge you need to become a great gravel cyclist. This week on the podcast, we're once again live at the Lifetime Sea Otter Classic. We're joined by Michelle Duffy, who's the Director of Events, Brand, and Content Strategy at Lifetime, and has been intimately involved in the Lifetime Grand Prix series. The Grand Prix is a season-long event series comprising of six Lifetime events, equally spread between mountain and gravel events that allow professional gravel athletes to battle it out over the year in a unique point series. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and I wanted to make sure that we got Michelle on just to talk about the ins and outs of the series and what she's excited about. Before we jump in, we need to thank this week's sponsor, The Feed. The Feed is the largest online marketplace for your sports nutrition, offering the brands you know and love from Scratch Labs, Cliff Bar to Mertine, plus their athlete customized supplements called The Feed Formula. Feed Formula, as I mentioned before, it's a daily formula individually wrapped that you have in a little box, you take out every day, and it gives you kind of the supplements you need as an athlete. The Feed Formulas are personalized supplements for athletes developed in part with Dr. Kevin Sprouse from EF Pro Cycling Team. He's the team doctor over there, and it's following the same protocols that top athletes use. What I love about it is if you go over to thefeed.com slash thegravelride, you can customize the individual supplements in your pill pack every day. So if you're needing a little extra recovery or if you're an aging athlete, you can customize these for your needs in any given month. Right now, Gravel Ride podcast listeners can get 50% off your first feed formula order. Just visit thefeed.com slash thegravelride. These are best-in-class branded supplements, never generics. You get personalized recommendations based on your needs as an athlete, and it's all put together in a convenient daily pouch. So no more messy bottles on the counter. You can just grab a bag and go every morning. So I recommend you take a look at the feed. It's become my go-to source for all my hydration and gel needs. It's nice to have a single marketplace that's really focused on sports nutrition. I often find myself in places where I'm just not really getting that focused offering. So I'm super comfortable recommending thefeed.com for all your nutritional needs. With that message behind us, let's dive right into my interview with Michelle Duffy at the Lifetime Sea Otter Classic. Michelle, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Craig. It's been a while. Yeah, it's great to see you here at the Sea Otter Classic. You as well in the flesh. <laughs> Is this the kickoff to the Lifetime sort of, I know it's the kickoff to the Lifetime Grand Prix. Is it your first event of the year? We've had a few road running events, but this is the first cycling event, off-road event of the season. It's so exciting. Is this the biggest event in the calendar in terms of participation? Definitely, yes. You know, we have events, ro- run. sorry, we have road running events that are 15,000 athletes, but in terms of scale, 74,000 attendees here, 500 exhibitors, there's nothing compares to that. What year of the Seattle Classic is this? It started in 1991. So. Yeah. So I, I remember doing some of the races here back in the mid-90s on my mountain bike. Oh, I've heard some fascinating stories yeah. in those days. Yeah. Now, the festival, I mean, it's always been 
just this fascinating intersection of all the disciplines of cycling. It's hard to describe. I mean, yeah. if you, you name it, if it's on a bike, it's probably has an event here. Absolutely. I mean, anything from e-bikes to gravel, cross-country mountain bike, dual slalom, downhill, enduro, you name it, it's here. Kids racing. We have a little bit of it all here. It's hard to tie it all together. Yeah, it was super cool watching the kids on the pump track, and it's just such a good family atmosphere here. And I think that was Frank Johannan's goal when he started the event, really, was how are we bringing family and bike together? And so often, these bike races... It's hard to, to integrate your family into that experience, but here you can camp with your family, you can attend the festival, they can learn how to ride a mountain bike on the pump track, and you can participate in a race yourself. And so I think that's, that's really how this started and what's made it so successful. We have families that have been here since 1991, and now they're taking their kids here, and we're going to take their kids here. Yeah, and the how many booths are here? The festival atmosphere, it's so unusual for consumers to get in front of so many manufacturers from the bike industry. Yeah, and vice versa for the for the brands to have this many consumers here and there's over 500 brands with us. That's amazing. Yeah, it took it's probably took me 2 days to kind of visit everybody across the the booth atmosphere. And, and even still, like you probably didn't get a chance to engage with them all. Yeah, so. that's absolutely right. Interestingly, I talked to a couple riders who were doing multiple events. They brought a couple bikes down, dis different disciplines, really making the most of their time here in Monterey. Yeah, there's athletes. I heard some names today in the gravel event that participated in cross country yesterday. We even have some pretty legit riders that took place in the e-bike race. So it's, it's always fun to talk to them and see what bikes they chose. Yeah, I participated in, if I'm going to say it correctly, La Gravilla today. Yeah. Yeah, I... I should apologize in advance if I'm inarticulate because my brain is still rattled. <laughs> I am with you. It's been a long few days here. Fun few days, but definitely zaps the brain. It was definitely a fun event. And I would say I would characterize it as a bit unusual for the gravel races I've done because it was very single track heavy, which I appreciated. As someone, you know, obviously Lifetime produces a lot of events in a lot of different styles. Was that intentional to kind of make it a little bit of a, a different type of event than some of the other events on the calendar? I think it helps tie the event to the overall experience of Sea Otter. And it's important to us that all of our events around the country feel unique and also important to us that all of our events here at Sea Otter have d their differentiators. So definitely was intentional. I know not all gravel cyclists have the best uh, bike handling, myself included, but it keeps it interesting. Yeah, 100%. So for the listener, it's very single track, heavy course, stunning views across the course. It's absolutely I mean. beautiful here. And after holding the event in October, in the fall, it was amazing to have everyone back together but being back on the calendar this time of year when everything is green, the birds are chirping, the sun's shining, it, yeah, yeah, it's stunning. Yeah, you get on these ridge lines, and despite how much my back was hurting, <laughs> I was still appreciating it and enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. So I wanted to talk to you about the Lifetime Grand Prix. We haven't had anybody on the show talking about it yet. It's the inaugural race. Can you just give us an overview of the series, and then we'll get into some more detailed questions? Yeah, absolutely. So... The Lifetime Grand Prix comprises of six of our events, off-road events, multi-discipline. So, you know, cross-country this weekend, and we'll be doing gravel out in Emporia next. We've selected 60 athletes, so 30 men, 30 women, who are competing for a quarter-million-dollar prize purse across the season. And the breakdown is we'll take their best five of six scores. So they 
can choose to attend only five and assume the risk of finishing the others or will drop their lowest score. The point system is pretty easy to understand. Um, it's a sliding scale, 30 points to first place, one point to... 30th place gotcha. and we'll score it that way across the season gotcha so many questions How, what was the decision making process look like to decide to have cross-country mountain bike racing and gravel racing in the same series i think it's just totally unique there's definitely there's mountain bike series there's road series i don't you know if we've well we're starting to see you know the uci coming out with the gravel series and that's not lifetime events are unique in that they're all different but we're seeing the same elite riders that are wanting to attend a mountain bike race and a gravel event. And it's not for everyone. Some, some gravel riders are not interested in riding a mountain bike and they're going to come to our gravel events and they'll participate. And those are scored the same way and all of our athletes will be treated in the same fashion. But when we look at our portfolio, it's like, wow, we, how lucky are we that we have the Sea Otter Classic and Unbound Gravel and the Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike race. Like, and, and Crusher and the Tusher and Traumigan and Big Sugar Gravel, and it goes on. And when we looked at our portfolio, we've been talking about this for a few years. And I don't know if the timing was right. And as we've seen more and more elites coming, it's we've paused and been thinking, like, we're seeing mass participation grow. We're seeing these former world tour riders, former world champion mountain bike racers coming and participating in our events. And they're participating in our events because they want to stand on the same start line as the mass participant. It's good for them and their brand to connect with the consumer. It's They're enjoying the experience of standing on the same start line as the everyday rider and walking through an expo. These are things that they don't get to do in Europe. And But what's missing is, you know, if you few decades ago he <laughs> lost a lot of faith in road cycling and that impacted fandom is the term that we're using internally of, of professional cycling in the U.S. It doesn't mean that people don't care about those professional athletes but in mass we're not talking about cycling on ESPN on a regular basis and I don't know if we'll get there but we hope to. We hope that this series helps North America reconnect with elite cyclists and these athletes start to become household names, and this is the, I don't know, a league of sorts. <laughs> I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, I think it pushes the riders' technical abilities. I've always been sort of griping about the roadification of, of gravel, so I love that these athletes are just going to have to find a different skill set, develop a different skill set, understand how to ride a different bike. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, if you look at our, our events the crusher and the tusher is a gravel race, but the top riders won it on a mountain bike last year, right? So yeah. there, I think rotification can happen a, a little bit, especially when there's more elite riders, so there's more group riding. But the, the technicality of a lot of our courses, it varies, and it does require a different skill set. Yeah, and I think it, for the athletes, it requires just a lot of thought about the season, right? Preparing yeah. for an event like Sea Otter and a cross-country-style mountain bike race is quite different than unbound at 200 miles absolutely and i think we saw a lot of our you know more traditional gravel cyclists road cyclists came here and they didn't come off the line the way a keegan swenson did he was a man with a plan like he was out there to win that event and get his 30 points but we did see a lot of other athletes that 
came out here and we didn't have all 30 men and all 30 women so they scored a few points even it was a it was just survival consistency is going to be key throughout the season and it was <laughs> definitely fun to see some of our athletes that were really stretching themselves in a single track cross country event coming out and they took the challenge on and I, I think that's really cool it's they they're not shying away from the challenge some falls out there yesterday but that was part of it and if any of the, these athletes knew what they were getting into and I think it's something that excites them the energy was really high yeah that's super cool I didn't get a chance to see the coverage yet from yesterday I, I know yeah. who the winners are not going to put you on the spot for race commentary, but how would you characterize like how the race unfolded? I know in a lot of mountain bike races, you got to get to that single track first. Yeah. What's funny is that both the men's and women's race unfolded almost identically <laughs> within the top three. So coming off the line, they, they're on this racetrack of Laguna Seca and they hop on a pretty wide dirt fire road and climb a hill and it's just under a mile before they hit double track so you could see I was in the lead out Mazda vehicle you could see them fighting for position especially the traditional mountain bikers they wanted to get to the single track first knowing that their bike handling skills were better and they they rode it was pretty decided who was going to be who was in contention about 10 riders deep yesterday on both the men's and women's side. It worked its way down to, to three riders deep on both sides with only maybe six miles to go. The women definitely had a, a bigger group of five there that it was anybody's day. And then Mo Wilson put it down climbing a hill and it was a risky move for her, but she came, you just kind of watched everyone else come apart. And she was the strongest woman out there yesterday. Yeah, I talked to her a little bit yesterday, and she said that last hill made her, made the race for her. It, yeah, it definitely did. And it was kind of amazing. We had Flow Bikes doing live coverage, and they got it all on drone on the broadcast. And you could just see the race coming apart. And the men's, men's were the same. It was, I don't know if you've talked to Keegan, but as he hit that climb, he went. And Russell Finsterwald said the same thing. He just, he gave it his all, but he couldn't yep. stay with Keegan on that yeah. climb. That, that climb has been part of the Sea Otter Classic for 30 years. As yep. I approached it, I remembered it from <laughs> decades ago. Well, our um, cross-country mountain bike race was UCI-sanctioned before this year, and but it wasn't prior to that. And it used to be a longer loop cross-country-style mountain bike race, and we wanted to get back to that, let, them, let the riders see beautiful Salinas Valley, and I think that... They got to experience a little bit more yeah. of that and got those traditional climbs in, those traditional views. And uh, we only saw them, it was a two-lap race, so we just saw them at the halfway point. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it was a really fun course, too. Yeah. Which that's, the riders have to appreciate. Heard. Yeah. Flowy and loose at, loose at times, but yeah. overall in fairly good shape. There's a lot of people hitting the whoops and saying, wahoo, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that kind of stuff. I love hearing that. Which is great to see. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the selection process, not necessarily like how it went down, but you seem to have selected a lot of diverse riders. I know mm -hmm. we've got former Olympians on the women's side that like Andrew, Amber Nieben, who, you know, not known for mountain biking or gravel racing at all. But coming right off the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which clearly like she's a phenomenal talent. Mm -hmm. And then as, I know you've got some track people on the men's side as well. Some yep. of the traditional mountain bikers, some gravel riders. So what, what did that look like? And it must have been fun, <laughs> hard, but fun. It was hard, but fun. <laughs> That's a good way to, to describe it. 
we weren't sure what was going to happen in the inaugural year. Like, are we going to get enough riders to fill the field? Is it going to be fast amateur riders and just hitting the refresh button on the application and watching the names that flowed in? We had over 200 elite professional cyclists that applied to be a part of the Lifetime Grand Prix. That does make the selection process really challenging. And I mean, we're learning a lot, but this felt like the best way for us to do it this year with no year over year learnings yet to do an application. Let's find out who is interested, who is telling us that they want to take on this challenge. They want to, I mean, our goal again is to grow cycling who's going to be a great ambassador for that and we looked at race resume and those that we thought would be really competitive like who truly has a a chance to be in the top 10 throughout the season was really important and then just who is going to inspire people to follow the sport I think we have a lot of really amazing humans that do a lot of amazing things off the bike too yeah yeah I think it's gonna be really fun it's so cool that you have flow bikes doing the live coverage so regardless of where you are get on flow bikes you can watch the series unfold and i think we're going to see some of those just human interest stories about you know who's skilled on the mountain bike who hey you know who's having challenges <laughs> Yesterday, the mountain bikers had their day and <laughs> and that was amazing to see i mean some of the lesser talked about names within the lifetime grand prix were finishing in the top five yeah and i loved to see that i don't think there was that many surprises in the top three but but there also there was no one's been talking about alex wild and he's been due to have his day yeah and it came for him yesterday yeah. he wrote an amazing event like i loved seeing that i loved seeing evelyn dong who finished in fifth on the women's side she hasn't really been talked about as a favorite of the lifetime grand prix and she was up there with the women the, yeah. all day long yeah yeah, I think it's going to be interesting transitioning eight weeks from now to Unbound, 200-mile yeah. race. Definitely different skill set. But I imagine you know, if you've got a top five here at Sea Otter, you've got a little extra motivation in you. Maybe like you didn't feel like you could be competitive at the 200-mile, but now you're saying, well, I've got a bunch of points in the bank. Yeah. I've got to go for it. Exactly. And we think – I think there's consistency is really going to be important. And as long as – you know, you score a bunch of points at the front, just showing up. And Unbound is so interesting because the finisher rate <laughs> is low. But I think now what's going to make that event interesting is there's more motivation to finish. So you might be having the heck of a day out there and normally pull the plug, but getting to the finish line is super important for you because yeah. you can still finish in the top 20 because inevitably we're going to have some riders that are going to dnf and we do have some riders that are opting out of unbound it's just too long for them yeah it's really interesting i imagine as a professional athlete just trying to figure out how to manage the diversity of races that you have to tackle and i don't know if we mentioned this on air but you can drop one one event through the season some some athletes are choosing to drop one event some actually were injured leading into sea otter and so that's their drop of the season and then some are going to do all six, and they get to drop their lowest performance. You know, Pete Stutton unfortunately broke his wrist yesterday, and he rode. He finished in 21st yesterday, so he, he got, got some, some points. points. Yeah. And he's hoping that this is the event that he can drop. He's definitely equipped to be a top contender throughout the season, but it was to his benefit that he attended the event yesterday and still got something. Yeah, and the the Leadville 100 is on the docket as well, yes, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, One so another favorites. just sort of... <laughs> unique you know has its own skill set required high high elevation yeah one could argue 
that Unbound Gravel 200 is the most intimidating event because of the mileage, but then you look at an event like the Leadville Trail 100 mountain bike race, which is at high elevation and requires yeah. a ton of climbing. Yeah, super intimidating for any athlete yeah. tackling that one. Although it's interesting because Crusher and the Tusher is the event prior to that, and there's a lot of climbing at that event, and yeah. it is also at elevation, so it's it's kind of a good prep leading in. Crusher is the only mountaintop finish in, in gravel, and they're, they spend most of their day climbing at that race. That's what I've heard. What's the what's the time different uh, gap between those two events? Um, it's exactly a month. Okay. Yeah. And Leadville is after Crusher. Yeah. So the order Sea Otter obviously is this weekend here, first or second weekend in April. Um, we have eight weeks until Unbound Gravel and Emporia, and then after that we have six weeks till Crusher, four weeks, and then we get on this four week cadence. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see the climbers, how they fare in Leadville versus Unbound. Just, just yeah. fascinating to me, yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to see some individuals that are just so talented within their discipline have the opportunity to rise and have an amazing day like we yeah. saw yesterday. But then also excited for these athletes that are just going to be chipping away every week, landing themselves in the top ten and, and who that will be, like yeah. who who from yesterday are going to be consistently in the top 10 for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think that the existence of this series and all the capital on the line is also providing a lot of motivation for athletes that didn't get selected this year yes. to show themselves and say, hey, you missed out on me. Yeah. Look at me. And and I I love that. I mean, it's it was really hard to, to make the decision, and especially knowing you, know, you have to put your business hat on because – we are hearing from some athletes that this has changed their year. I mean, it's we're occupying a lot of their schedule, but they've been able to sign sponsors that they hadn't prior, and we've gotten that feedback from multiple athletes, which was part of part of the goal is um, to help them be able to do this as a full time job. But as we're making the selection, you know that those that you're not selecting are not getting that opportunity, yeah. and we do have a handful of athletes that are going to be showing up at a lot of these events and saying, Hey, actually I did deserve to be here. I'm finishing in the top 30 at all of the events within the lifetime grand prix. And that's amazing because this is not a one year activation for us. This is a long term, long term thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you still have the opportunity to win any one of these races, regardless of whether you're selected for the lifetime grand prix. Exactly. Yesterday, it just so happened that the top three, we're also lifetime Grand Prix athletes, but I don't foresee that happening yeah. at Unbound Gravel. I mean, you have someone like Ian Boswell, the reigning champ. He's in Lauren DiCrescenzo. They're not yeah. doing the lifetime Grand Prix, but I expect to see them performing really yeah. well at Unbound Gravel. Yeah, you've got people who focus on the Leadville 100 as their jam. That's exactly. the one they want to win. But I think that's that's what's going to help keep it really honest because there's going to be varying goals at these big events. So... It, We've started to see lots of front of pack riding in a pack and coming down to a sprint finish, which is also amazing because this gravel community is about building community and camaraderie. And But now that we have both all this money on the line through the Lifetime Grand Prix and other athletes that are not participating and maybe have their own incentives with their separate brands, Seeing how the races unfold this year, I, I am predicting will be different. 
yeah. because every point matters for the Grand Prix athletes and those that aren't in the Grand Prix have something to prove. And so I don't know. I don't know if we'll see as much pack riding yeah, we'll in those see. late miles. In the days coming up to the event here, you signed a, a pretty big sponsor. Yes, we now have a presenting sponsor in Mazda. They, We've been talking with them since late fall of last year, and they just launched an off-road vehicle, the Mazda CX-50. And as they were doing their research, they, they view the cyclist as a target consumer for them. And they also just... I mentioned earlier, amazing humans doing amazing things. That's what we've been spending all of our time talking to Mazda about. That's something that they want to be a part of. They're not interested in the super salesy tactics. They're more interested in like content reconnecting and connecting with with this consumer base, and they're really passionate about the outdoors. Okay, and is it is it a sponsorship just for this season? They are the presenting sponsor of Big Sugar Gravel now. They're we signed. It's a two or three year deal. I shouldn't know okay. that, but my brain's not firing. Um, but they're on for multiple years with us. And then they've also become official sponsors of all of the events that are in the Lifetime Grand Prix. Yeah, that's super exciting. Yeah. It's just great to see money coming into the sport to support a series of this nature. Yeah, that was, if you read any interviews from Kimo Seymour, our president of events early on, he actually called out auto as one of the industries that departed from supporting cycling after just you know a few decades ago of a lot of brands are moving themselves from the sport and Mazda's done some things locally in California on a smaller scale just I think outside of that region people weren't really aware that they've been slowly starting to get their feet wet in in dirt and mountain biking and to see an automobile company come back and believe in us and believe in this series is it says a lot for us as well. Like this is, we're doing it. Like this is going to be big. We have a really big brand that believes in us, our events, our athletes, our participants, our community. Yeah. It's super validating and great to see. Yes. Thank you so much for all the time. I know it's been a super long weekend. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad we could connect and chat and talk in person. Yeah. Great to see you. Better than Zoom. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I look forward to just watching the series unfold and Again, a reminder to the listener, you can watch these events on Flow Bikes. You can follow them on social media. There's all kinds of great way to get access to what I think is going to be a great journey and a lot of fun stories throughout the year, particularly as we have two or three events behind us. We're going to see who's in the lead, who needs to catch up. Does it change their race tactics to try to get a win when they're behind? Yes. So much fun. Um I'm excited to see how everything unfolds. I, for one, hope that it it (laughs) comes down to big sugar. I do, too. Let's keep it interesting. (laughs) How exciting will that be? Oh, amazing. All right, get some rest. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Gravel Ride Podcast. I hope you enjoyed learning more about the Lifetime Grand Prix series from Michelle. I know as a fan of the sport, I'm excited to just watch and see how it unfolds. Next up for racing is unbound and i think that's about seven weeks out at this point and you can go over to lifetime's grand prix website to see the current standings of athletes and see what's coming up next in the calendar beyond unbound big thanks to our friends at the feed for sponsoring this week's episode of the gravel ride podcast if you're interested in connecting with me i encourage you to join the ridership just visit www.theridership.com That's our free global cycling community. You can connect with myself and hundreds of other athletes from around the world and just chat about your love of gravel cycling and all things bikes. 
If you're interested in supporting the podcast, ratings and reviews are hugely appreciated, as well as any financial contributions via buymeacoffee.com slash thegravelride. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels.